Good morning, church. It is amazing to see all of you here. I hope you've had a great week so far. Um, there's lots of you here. It's lovely. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say hi if you haven't already. Um, it's great to see you all. <laughs> Hello, Nicole. You're on your own. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so just for anyone who's maybe here for the first time, um, just let you know who we are and a bit about us. We are Eternity Down on Market. We are affiliated with AOG, which stands for Assemblies of God, which is a wider network of churches around the UK. Um, we're of Pentecostal belief, so we believe in making a great noise for God. We just want to share our love for him um, and share the truth with everyone. So what we're going to do today is over this month, we are looking into prayer and fasting. That is our theme. And when I was thinking about what I was going to speak about, I was going, okay, I'm going to talk about fasting. I'm going to talk about fasting. And God was like, nope, prayer. So we're going to focus on prayer today. Um, so when looking at the topic of prayer and fasting, we sometimes can fit these things into boxes. We can class them as the basics, the, the starter pack of Christianity, if some may say. But sometimes we actually put them in the boxes of our own schedule which we really shouldn't be doing. These are not tick box things that need to be achieved to be holy or get the extra God points, but actually these are the fundamentals that connect us and draw us closer to God. So before we start, can I pray for you? Thank you, Jesus, that we can come together today and dive into your word. I thank you, Jesus, that we can trust in you, that you are going to share a good news today, Lord God, that we can learn from you, Heavenly Father, and get closer from you. Lord God, let any of these words fall if they are not of you. Thank you, Jesus, that you can speak through me. Lord God, we look forward to what you're going to do. We love you. Amen. Amen. So yes, like I said, today I'm going to focus on prayer um, and how prayer is absolutely life-changing. Now, this is not a statement that we can say lightly. Prayer is life-changing. If I hadn't have said that prayer many years ago, inviting Jesus into my life, my life would not be the same today. And I'm sure every single one of you has a very similar story. Now, don't hear, this is a bit of a warning, don't hear what I'm not saying today, because today's message is going to get a little bit deep and a little bit I'm not super comfortable with what's being spoken about. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Power is prayer. Prayer is powerful and it's great and it's blessed. And God has done amazing things in all of our lives, in the life of this church, and I'm sure in your life personally. He's answered many prayers in miraculous ways that we can't praise him enough for. And it's great and it's brilliant. And praise Jesus. Thank God for everything that he has done. However, the harsh reality is that it isn't the norm for prayer to be instantly answered like that in a lot of the seasons of our life. Prayer is something that takes commitment, it takes time, and it takes perseverance. Prayer is our way of communicating with God, but it's not just to pick up the phone and leave a voicemail and God will get back to you at the next time he can. It doesn't work like that. It's something that we need to keep pressing into to see change. Sometimes prayer is actually the phone call we don't want to make. Sometimes it's actually the last thing we want to do in our situation, whether that's because we're scared of the unknown, whether that's because we might not like the answer God is going to give us, 
and we'd rather keep the situation in our control. And it might actually be something that we're so unsure of, we don't know what to turn to. Prayer is something we know fundamentally that we can always do, but that's easier said than done. So, for example, I always use this example when I think about prayer. And I've always loved the idea of being in constant conversation with God. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? You wake up in the morning and I'll say, God, I'm going to be in constant conversation with you. I'm thanking him for everything I'm doing. I'm thanking him for the air I breathe, everything, everything. Get into the car, drive to work. Thank you for the beautiful sunrise. Thank you for the nature someone pulls out on me. Thank you for that wonderful driver that's just pulled out in front of me. May he have a blessed day. But then it keeps coming, doesn't it? Life happens. And sometimes it can slip into the back of our mind of being thankful and praising God for everything that's happening in our lives. When I was a teenager, I used to constantly pray to God going, please give me a beautiful boyfriend. Please give me my wonderful husband. But actually, has that happened? Not yet, but that's okay. (laughs) Sometimes I love the idea of this constant conversation, but it's really hard to do. And day-to-day things get in the way. There's this saying that we all know, and I hope we all know it, and I'm going to say it, and if you guys don't, re- don't finish this saying, I'm going to be disappointed. But it's God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. So that's easy to say, and it's great, and it's embroidered on a pillow, and it's wonderful, but it's sometimes hard to believe when we're in the valley and when we're going through a difficult circumstance. If we actually use it in examples, we can say, oh, I got the job. God is good. I got the beautiful boyfriend. God is good. I got the pay rise. God is good. I've got this wonderful family. God is good. I go to a great church. God is good. I'm happy with my circumstance. God is good. But if we flip that, what if we say, I'm in a really troubling time. God is good. I lost my job. God is good. My loved one died. God is good. That doesn't sound right and it doesn't sit right because we're human and we go through trials. And it's very easy to say God is good, but sometimes it's hard to believe. So today, I'd like us to focus in on someone who went through these motions and his response was prayer. But it's probably the prayer that we don't like to talk about. It's the prayer that is raw and it's real and it's straight and upfront with God and it's probably not the idea of prayer we have in our heads so today we're going to focus on one of the minor prophets which by no means means less important Um, it just means the book is relatively brief and some of the major prophets are more expansive so if you'd like to turn to the book of Habakkuk today if you can find it it's like two pages long Um, it's an absolute gem so if you have your bibles turn to Habakkuk Now, I wish I had all day to go through the book of Habakkuk with you because it's one of my favorites and there's so much to explore. But what we're going to do is we're going to tune in. So if you, I'm sure you've read the book of Habakkuk. It's a conversation between Habakkuk and God and it's Habakkuk's complaint and God's response. Habakkuk's complaint and God's response. So we're going to tune into the first complaint and what, how God responds. That's all we're going to do today. Is Is that good with everyone? Perfect. So to give a little overview of the situation, Habakkuk is living in Judah, which is the southern part of Israel. Now, the promise of Israel was to bring blessings to all of the other nations. But, spoiler alert, they weren't very good at that. 
at that point of time, they were not very good at that. At this point, northern Israel was already destroyed, and the area Habakkuk lived in was very, very wicked and was turning very wicked. He was living in a really trying time, and he had no clue what God was doing. It was unexplainable. He was scared, and he was angry, and he was in an uncomfortable position. Does that sound familiar to some of our situations today? See, Habakkuk, if you look at some of the prophets, most prophets spoke to people on behalf of God. But Habakkuk spoke to God in, on behalf of the people. He spoke to God and said, what are you doing? God, these are your people, what's going on? So he turned to God in prayer in this trying time, and here is what he said. So verse 2. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Now, the way I've just read that is not 100% how I think Habakkuk would have prayed that to God. If we look at it seriously, I think Habakkuk would have been much more in saying, How long, Lord? Must I call for help? But you do not listen. He would have been getting angry. He would have been getting passionate because he was in a trying time. He was crying out to God in the pits of the valley. He had nothing else to do or no one else to turn to. So when we're reading this, say it with a bit of oomph because it's okay to pray to God like that. Sometimes we need to. So he would have been crying out. So sometimes in the situations we're in, Do we shy away from God and say these nice little prayers to stay holy? Or do we actually stand there and go, God, what are you doing? I am confused. I don't know what's going on. Are we afraid to speak to God with our true intention? Because actually, if we're looking at it, God already knows. God knows that you're angry. God knows that you're upset. God knows that you're confused. So why are you trying to hide it from him? He would much prefer you to come to him in anger and questioning than to turn away. So why was God allowing this to happen? And why were the righteous being punished? See, our ability to trust God is tested when we take a look around and the things around us don't make sense. Habakkuk asked the questions we often ask today. How long, Lord, must I call for help with the grief that I'm dealing with? How long, Lord, must I call for help in this season of depression? How long, Lord, must I call for help for this financial struggle? We can fit that into all of our situations. How long, Lord, can I call for help? But you do not answer. See, this was and still is a prayer that was hard. It was full of hopelessness and it was full of helplessness. The thing is, church, and don't hear what I'm not saying, we're allowed to question God. We are allowed to question God. Habakkuk was in pain. The way he prayed had no niceties. It was just honest. And I want to challenge you today to be raw and to be real with God. We all have those moments, and I'm sure there may be more to come, but maybe you're actually in the point right now where the next thing you need to do is have a little shout at God. Because actually, if we're not doing that, like I said, we're not being fully honest and raw. I just want to say, though, that 
normally with a preach, you see this nice arc. It's like a it's like a sitcom or a movie, like when you watch an episode of Friends or I don't know what sitcoms you guys like watching. But you'll have the initial thing where everyone's happy and then, oh no, a problem happens. The group then come together and they're working through it and they fix the problem and hooray, the end of the episode comes, everyone's happy again. Unfortunately, today's preach is not going to be like that. Because actually when we're talking about this topic of why, I cannot give you an answer. The person sitting next to you cannot give you an answer. People cannot give you the answer. God can. God can give you the answer. Is that okay? I know you're so, you're so happy you've come to church today and all we're talking about is complaining. But actually it's really important when we're looking at the topics of prayer. There is no 30-minute solution or a quick fix. There is no answer to what you're doing or going through right now that any human can give you. Life is hard, and that means we don't have easy answers. But make it personal between you and God, because there will be breakthrough. It may not be the breakthrough that you think or the breakthrough that you would like, but there will be breakthrough. Be honest with God, because why not? God knows us so well. He knows our next move, and believe me, if you aren't directing the anger or confusion to him, he still knows it. He still knows. So just give it to him. See, there's no doubt that Habakkuk knows God's love, but still, he questioned why. There are many moments of confusion in the Bible, and actually, if you take a look, there's a lot of moments when people go, God, what is going on? Why? It was actually a very important one, because Jesus did this himself. Jesus, at a very, very dark time, looked at God and said, why? What is going on? It was in Matthew 27, 46. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, I am a, I cannot pronounce that word, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Even Jesus himself asked why when he was in a dark time. So what I want to look at today is a thing called a crisis of belief. And I, you might have heard this term already. Um, it's quite a popular term. But it's the idea of we all live a similar journey when we become Christians. And we then reach this point of crisis of belief. And it's how we deal with that that shapes who we are today. So I'm not saying that all of us go through the same problems and the same trials. But there is a pattern we can follow. So you become a Christian, you have this honeymoon period of being a Christian. You walk in the streets and you go, I love Jesus, oh my goodness, everything's amazing. I felt the Holy Spirit for the first time, I've encountered God, my life is changed. You share it with everyone you know. That's great, and I wish we could still have that joy and encouragement every single day. But there's something called life, and life happens And when life happens, it's very hard to still have that same motivation to go, Jesus, Jesus, this is amazing. Oh, my goodness. My my best friend has just walked out. Oh, my goodness, God, how exciting. I've just lost my loved one. Very hard to do. And then we hit the valleys. There will be valleys, and there will be many valleys. But first, it's God change the situation. We're in the valley and we're going, God, I recognize I'm here. Recognition is the first point. We recognize we're here. God, I know, I trust in you. You can change this situation. Thank you, God, I have hope. Then it keeps happening. 
and then it turns to God, I know you're good. Deep down, I know you're good, but this must be over soon. How much more can be thrown at me? How many times have we said that? When you're in that valley and you're in that deep season and something has happened and then something else happens and then that little thing happens and then that little thing happens. How much more can I take? God, I know you're good, but this must end soon. But then it keeps happening because it's life. And then we turn around and say, God, do you even care? Do you even see me in this dark situation right now? Do you even see what's going on in my life? Little old me going through all of these hardships, do you even see me? At this point, there are two options. Someone may take the first option, which is to deny the bad. We're in the valley. We've we said all these things. We've spoken out to God. And we go, it can't, it can't be that bad. I must just be overreacting. Nope, it's not happening. I'm denying the bad. I'm not, I'm not speaking that into my life. I'm denying it. It's not happening. But people, it is happening. It is happening. There is a spiritual battle that's happening every single day. There will be trials every single day. They are going to happen. So denying it is not the option. Sometimes people in that situation, when they deny the bad things, they actually think crying out to God is not of righteous standing. But it is. We must cry out to God. Now, the other option in this circumstance is that people walk away. The most common thing you hear of a new Christian or someone on their Christian journey is that they've gone really well. They're soaring up. It's going amazing. God is good. They hit that valley and then boom. God doesn't care about me. So why am I doing this? What's the point? And then they walk away. But what I want to tune in today is these may be the two options of the thought of a crisis of belief. But I actually think there's a third option. And it's not only found in the book of Habakkuk, but it's actually found in the meaning of the name Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, in Greek, his name means to embrace. So the third option that I want you guys to press into is when you're in this deepest, darkest time, don't deny what's happening. Acknowledge it because it's happening. Life happens. We all have to go through it. Don't walk away because that's the devil. He's getting a hold of you. Do this third option, which is to embrace and wrestle. I want you guys to wrestle. Prayer isn't easy, but nor is life. And I don't get it, but I trust the Lord. So sometimes in the denying phase, turning around and saying, I don't get it, Lord, this must be the devil. Sometimes we give too much credit to the devil. These bad things happening in our lives may not actually be the devil. It could be just a season of trials to push us closer to God. Do not give the devil credit for everything because you're giving him a foothold with that credit. Embrace and wrestle. Now, this doesn't mean life gets easier. I wish I could tell you that life gets easier. I'm 21 years old and life isn't easy. You guys have so much more experience than I do. And I'm sure you can turn around to me and say, Chloe, life does not get much easier. If anything, it gets harder. But consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's what it says in James 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? 
Why must I find it joyful when I'm going through a trial? Because I don't want to. I don't want to find it joyful. I want to sit and complain and be mad at my situation. I want to sit here and go, God, just fix it. Fix it, fix it, fix it. I don't want to do anything. You are the one that's in control. Fix it for me. It's not how it works. The goodness of God is not dependent upon our current situation or set of circumstances. God is good even when we struggle to see it. So reach out. Habakkuk has brought this request to God in prayer. And it's the prayer that we think of that we don't want to do. He had what we called biblical hope. It's very easy for us to have hope in things on earth. We can be hopeful that our car starts in the morning so that we can get to work. We can be hopeful that we are going to get that job or get that promotion. We can be hopeful in those things. But what we need, church, is biblical hope. In Psalms 23, verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That church is biblical hope. Nowhere does it say that we are not going to reach trials. Nowhere does it say that we are not going to reach things that are going to desperately question us. They're going to force us to question. But that's what gets us closer to God. I want to encourage you today to learn his faithfulness in the valley. See, crisis allows us to find a new level of intimacy with God. And I know that when you're in the struggle or you're battling the situation, then this may be the last thing you want to hear, but God will remain faithful. I want to go back to the why. Why? Why is this happening? So Habakkuk has asked why in a very angry matter. So let's see what God responds, and hopefully we can find some resolve. We're at that point in the sitcom now where the friends have understood the problem and they're going to reach the end. We've got about 10 minutes left of the episode, and yeah, hey, we know it's going to work. So in verse 5 it says, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if I were to tell you. Let's pause it there. Amen. How amazing is that? Brilliant. God is going to do something so good. I'm going to be utterly amazed. Brilliant. God has solved it. End of the episode. The Friends theme tune plays. Sermon done. You're going through your trials, but don't worry. God has got something utterly amazing planned. Uh -uh. That's a bit wrong. It may look exciting, but let's keep reading. It says, God's response. I'm raising up the Babylonians that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law of themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They, they all come intent on violence. Their hordes mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities by building earthen ramps that capture them. They then sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Does that sound like the utterly amazing thing God promised to do in our lives? No, it doesn't. Church, sometimes God's response isn't our happily ever after. Actually, it rarely is. God's response is rarely our happily ever after. 
We often have an idea of how we'd like a situation to end. We often like the spoilers in the episode where we go, oh, at least we know that they've got that friendship. At least we know that in 10 minutes' time, the episode will be over and everything will be happy. But church, that's not life. That's not how life works. Continue to embrace and wrestle. Basically, what God has said in that part is, Habakkuk, you think it's bad now. Just you wait. Just you wait and see what's to come. Because, guys, the Babylonians, if you think these guys were bad, the Babylonians were the worst of the worst at this point in time. They were the badder bad guys. So what God is doing here is he's getting the bad guys on the bad guys. That does not sound like hope. That does not sound like a good fix to Habakkuk's problem. Habakkuk has come to God angrily and said, God, why have you done this? And God's gone, just you wait. It's going to get worse. So continue to embrace and wrestle. Let's continue looking at how Habakkuk responds and see if we can pick out when he embraces and when he wrestles. So verse 12 to 13. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. That's the embracing. He's saying, God, you're the Holy One. You will never die. I'm embracing you. This is happening. This is happening. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. Embracing. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Embracing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? That's the wrestle. Habakkuk has embraced and now he's wrestling. Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those most righteous than themselves? That is the wrestle. But note the embrace beforehand. God understands your pain. And he hears your questions. He wants to hear from you. He's waiting to hear from you. He would prefer you to shout and cry and have a little temper tantrum than to walk away from him completely or find your hope in something that isn't biblical. What if acknowledging your doubts unlocks the new level of deeper faith that you've been waiting for? Not necessarily breakthrough, but a deeper connection. What if... It takes real pain, and when I'm talking about real pain, the stuff that we don't even like speaking about, the stuff that we can't explain, the stuff that we ask, why? What if that real pain takes us to experience deep hope? And the hope I'm talking about here is biblical hope. Church, I would love to continue reading Habakkuk with you because there's this to and throw, there's this to and throw, this embrace and wrestle, embrace and wrestle in God's response. And yes, God is faithful in the end, as he always is. But because there is one thing we can be sure of, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But this is a challenge, because what options are you choosing? Dependent on what valley you're in right now, what options are you choosing? Something that you need to think about what options have you been choosing? You may be in this dark time. Have you been denying it? Have you been going, God, if I don't look at it, it's not there. My problems aren't there if I don't acknowledge them. Have you been saying, God, I'm done with this. I'm walking away. I'm leaving that behind me. I'm done. Or are you going, God, I know you're good. I'm going to embrace you. But why? Why is this happening? See, church, what is the tempting way out in that situation? It's very tempting to be able to go, mm, 
God's got it in control. I'll just leave it over there for him to deal with. Very tempting. It's very tempting to brush it off like nothing's happening or to walk away. It's not very tempting to wrestle. I don't want to go in a wrestling ring with my trials. I don't because I probably know that they are slightly stronger than I am. But they are stronger than I am when I am alone. See, I have the ultimate fighter behind me. I have God. Church, I want to challenge you to chew your situations, to get to grips of what is actually going on, to ask God why. Church, there is nothing I can say to bring this to a close. There is no nice remark that I can leave at the end of this talk because realistically, you may be in a valley now and that valley may last years. You may have a valley tomorrow. You may have a valley in the next few weeks. Church, all you have to do is embrace and wrestle. Don't walk away. Why? Because it's between you and God. I cannot say anything here. I can encourage you. I can pray for you. I can walk alongside with you. But it's between you and God. You know, the, the thing in your heart right now, this talk hasn't necessarily been comfortable. It's not a nice one. And when I was, when I was with God and I was asking him, hey, what am I going to speak about? Going back to what I said at the beginning, I wanted to do a lovely talk about fasting and the benefits of fasting and how amazing it is when we fast and there's breakthrough. But actually, if we're going to spend this time, this month, looking at prayer and fasting, we need to be real with it. Because we can't just say, well, February, we did prayer and fasting. Woohoo, the breakthroughs. Because actually, it's going to be a lot harder than that. We have our 12-hour prayer event coming up. Church, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because we're planning this. And it's going to be hard because we're all coming in with our different valleys. We're all coming in with our different struggles. We're all coming in with our different questions of why. Why is this happening? But church embrace and wrestle it might not be nice and it will not be easy but please take it to God ask him why get mad if you need to but never forget to embrace the word never forget to embrace love and never forget to embrace hope that God gives us what I want to do church is I know as a small church it's really important because we are with it. We're, we're with each other. We know each other. We know what each other are going through. We know we've got different things happening right now where some of our congregants and some of our family members are in valleys. Let's ask why. Let's not be scared to push in and ask why. I'll be real with you, church. Some of you may not know my testimony, but it's something I've always been very scared of sharing because it's something that still hurts me very deeply and I still question why every day church when I was younger my father passed away from a brain tumor and I asked why 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 did he have to be taken away he was just getting good at being a Christian he was just reaching his faith he was just doing it he was getting there why why and church let me tell you God hasn't answered I don't know why I will still continue to ask why. But the bottom line is, I can embrace God and I can wrestle. Because through that wrestling, I'm going to gain strength. I'm going to gain biblical hope. And I'm going to gain a new step forward. I'm going to step forward into God. Church, it's not easy. And it never will be. 
I will still battle with this every single day. And that's okay. Because as long as I'm embracing and as long as I'm wrestling, God is faithful. Church, that thing in your heart right now that you know you need to come to God with, it may be something you've brought to him every day, but you've brought it to him nicely. God doesn't want your problems on a silver platter with a little kosh going, da-da, look what I've presented you. He wants the raw. He wants the earthy. He wants the bit that you've put in a box and hidden under your bed because you don't really want him to see it. He already knows. He already knows. So churches, we're entering into this season of prayer and fasting. It's not going to be easy. I want to encourage you and say it is, but it's not. And it never will be. Even if we overcome one trial, there's only another one coming. But we can embrace and we can wrestle because we know God is good all the time and all the time. Amen, church. Can we pray? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you know us one by one. Thank you, Jesus, that we can shout at you sometimes. Thank you, God, that you have grace for us. Lord God, we come to you today with those deep, dark issues. Lord God, we know that valleys are difficult. Thank you, Jesus, for the valleys. Let us embrace what is going on around us. And let us wrestle with you to gain that new hope, that biblical hope. Lord God, I pray for every single person here, Lord God. I pray that they can come to you in a new way with their problems. Lord God, I pray that there are blessings and that there are answers. Because you are a faithful, good God that answers our prayers. But God, we also know that you are higher than anything and your plans are much greater than ours. So, Lord God, let us not get confused by what we want out of our lives and what you want from us. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing every day. Thank you, Jesus, that you're always with us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Jesus, that we can wrestle with you. In your name we pray. We love you. Amen. Amen, church.